You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Welcome to another episode of The Wild Squid... I mean, yak. Where Anissa and I squid out for our second leg of this fascinating, harrowing show. This time taking on episodes 4 to 6 and the agonising fog of all the things they made us feel. Don't forget to go on over to our Patreon page where you can find bonus episodes and new, our, maybe, monthly live streams, the first of which is available to view right now. And that's at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Thank you listeners and patrons for forcing us to watch dramas. Jokes, we do it to ourselves. We can't be saved from ourselves, and neither can you. Carry on. We'll be there at the end. Maybe, if we don't get eliminated. Help! Hi, I'm Saya. And I'm Anissa. And today we're talking about Squid Games episode four through six, which we just, well, I just finished watching. I think Saya finished watching yesterday. This morning. So how are you feeling, Saya? I'm kind of a wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was me this morning. And oh, it's just been turning over and over in my mind all day. Man, where do you even start with this? I mean, should we start at the beginning or should we start at the end? Hmm. Let's, Let's start, start at the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> you go first. Right at the top of episode four, there's this moment where, like, if you remember what the last game was, it was the, um, what do you call it? You mean the caramel breaking off game, right? Yes. <laughs> do you remember how there was that moment when Gihun clocked that sang Like, he clocked him. And then right at the top of episode four, there's this moment where he pauses for a fraction of a second when Sangu talks to him and it's like you know that he's got his number like Kihun has his number but he also deliberately puts it aside and sort of carries on trusting his dancing but it was such an interesting moment what did you think I mean Sangu Sangu is such a character (laughs) about their relationship it's really interesting because you can see this dynamic where when they were young Kihun was the one who was guiding Sangu and helping Sangu. He was tutoring him. And then at a certain point, Sangu became the one who was successful, who was more successful and who was, you know, kind of on top. Mm. And they've managed to like maintain their friendly relationship. But you can also see where like Gion's tendency to kind of give in and smooth things over has probably helped with that mm-hmm. because he's the older one and he's had to kind of swallow his pride a little bit, which he's still doing. But it's not like he's such a good person either because you see him, he's kinder than some of the other people who are playing this game. But when push comes to shove, you see how he's willing to take advantage of the old man. Like if he wasn't called out on it, you know, like it would have just kind of gone unnoticed. Everyone is terrible in some ways. We've gone straight to the end now. I know, I know. It's because we started talking about Sangwoo and I feel like Sangwoo is kind of the one that I have the most negative feelings about. But like Mm. everyone has done some bad things. Yeah. Even Ali, who I think has been the most giving and the most sort of selfless throughout this whole process. Even he has had to make some like not good decisions, not in the game, but like out in the world. We've seen, you know, what happened when he like, stole the money and ran off and it's not like you can't understand why he did that but like nobody is allowed to be perfectly innocent in this world Mm -hmm. and that's just really interesting i feel like what 
the show does and what the game does with the show is that it boils down everything about the real world into this really stripped down microcosm of all of the forces that act on us in society, right? Except it sort of shifts the context a little bit. It um, strips the stakes naked. So like you can't hide anything. Like you can't hide your Mm. cowardice. You can't hide your desperation. You can't hide your greed. You can't hide your willingness to betray people. There's no, there's nothing in yourself that is bad or good that can be hidden, but the game strips it bare. And the difference between Sangho and Gihun, like you say, nobody is good. Everybody is here because of bad decisions and because of the ways that they've failed themselves. That's the most salient thing, but they've also like failed everybody in their lives pretty much. But the difference between Sangho and Gihun, which... I felt was really made stark by the final game in episode six in the marbles game was that Sung was a coward. He's this sort of sneaky, he's like the worm tail of, of the group, right? Except not quite. He's, he's mm. much sharper. He's very clever. He can game the system. He is, you know, like he's a coward and he's, that particular kind of coward who like, doesn't want to show anyone that he's a coward. Like a he white wants color to- coward. Right. Yeah. Which is obviously we already kind of knew that because he embezzled all this money yeah. from his company. Right. So he's that kind of guy who wants to get away with all of the things that he does in order to save his own skin without looking mm. bad and um, without having to admit that he's a bad person. Like he wants to come out looking like he's yeah. still a good guy. Whereas like when, when he does that to Ali, he like does it in a way where like he won't have to face Ali once Ali realizes what he's done. Mm. And he does it in this really like packaging it in this way where like he's piling all this guilt on Ali and telling him how he like they have to work together because they've helped each other. Like he's always doing all this like emotional manipulation. Whereas Kiwan just kind of when he's pushed back against the wall and there's nothing else to do, he just like does the thing. And then he's like, I'm really sorry. I did the thing. I know it was bad, but this is what I'm doing. Like he's much more honest coward in some ways. But, but, but the difference is, sorry, I didn't even get to the actual difference. The difference is that Kihun hasn't lost the ability to feel shame and Sangwoo yeah. has. And I think that's really such a fundamental difference in their characters. Like no matter how scum of the earth you become, Kihun has retained the ability to feel shame over his actions, to look at himself and know that he did a bad thing. And to also, you know, to be able to look Yongamnim in the eye and be like, you know what? The moment he was called out, he accepted it. He did try to get away with it. He did try to do it. He tried to avoid it mm. until the last moment. But like when it came to the crunch, he definitely, he was like, you know, everyone is out for themselves, right? Except when they're not. And we will get to that too. <laughs> um, but in that last moment when he was called out, his house of cards came down and that was it. But also that in a way allowed him to make peace with what happened because you know, there's, there is some kind of freedom in, in the honesty that he was able to have in that moment, right? Oh, let's talk about the girls. Yeah. Oh, that broke my heart. Yeah. I actually cried. That I haven't in the entire show. I've been watching it completely dry eyed. But in that, I was just bawling. <sighs> I did too. I cried more for them. And then I went to work with like tear streaked face and I was like, oh my God. 
Oh, I already had a cold and then I was crying oh. and I was just like, I'm just finished. After this. this is just too sad. Oh my gosh. I just read that the, you know, Sebyok was not an original character in, in the writer's first conception of, of this story. And I can't imagine the story without her in it. And also I love her name. I love, love, love her name. Like Sebyok, Daybreak, what a beautiful name. Um, oh man, that was hard. Yeah, I love everything about her character. You know that moment where Ji Young told her, you go first? Mm. That was when I kind of got the the inkling I and I knew that what all. she was going to do. And I was like, <laughs> no. And then I I just saw her slowly just like drop the mark. And yeah, I knew because like they had had this whole conversation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's going to sacrifice herself because she doesn't have anyone who's waiting for her. And Sebyak does. And I was just oh. like, oh. And also the actress who plays Jiang, the last drama I saw her in was another, you know, life and death game drama. Oh, you watched that too, um, 365 Repeat the Year. So she's got that way, you know, that sort of spiky, slightly spiteful, you want to hate her and then you realize you don't. Oh. Like a like an adorable hedgehog yeah. that has its spines raised when you first meet it. And does bite you a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, Sebiak's kind of like that too. They both are. They're, they I think they just recognize something in each other, which is why they kind of felt drawn to each other. Um, and that was why, like, that whole conversation that they were having in that, you know, 27 minutes where they decided to just talk mm. was so heartbreaking because you could see that, like, in any other circumstance, they might have become friends. And these are two people who don't have any friends. And they could have been each other's friends, you know, in a world that has treated them so harshly. And yet it can never go anywhere. Yeah. And it's so sad. This is also like the point, right? That in the midst of all of that desperation, where you're just seeing people bringing out their most base characteristics. And at that point, you're not even surprised that people are behaving that way. And still, and still there's something that is... It's not even what's enduring about the human spirit. It's like when the human spirit is completely broken, there's still some good and some sacrifice and some love that people can show towards each other that stops us from being complete beasts. Mm. I do think it's intentional, all of that very profound commentary on the ways that people behave when they're put in these desperate circumstances. And, you know, it's very sort of Lord of the Flies crossed with Battle Royale with a healthy helping of Liar Game. And it's just the way the games are set up, the black genius of it all, you know, because the, the game before that, the tug of war was all about working as a team. So every time you think that you figured out the game and it's not just you, it's the players as well. Every time mm. we think and they think that they've you've got a fix on it, you know how this works now. Like they pull the rug from under your feet. It bottoms out again. Like you just keep falling further and further. So they'd come off the high of winning that tug of war, right? Everyone who survived was on a high that they'd survived. You know, they'd learned how to game the game. And I think that's a really important thing in in the way that the games are set up, that you're meant to get this sense that there's a way to game the games. And so they go into this next game buzzing with that sense of, okay, we've got it. We've got our allies. Oh, and that whole process of making allies. And there's just so much there to break down. 
it's not just the games, it's the things that they have to do between the games, like making alliances mm. and figuring out who's going to betray you and who to trust and who not to trust and, you know. Or the fact that the game has bled out to beyond just the, right. you know, game rooms where like they purposefully gave them the exact number of very small amount of food, mm -hmm. knowing that some people would take more and that it would, you know, like they provoked them into that fight yeah. where you know, the gangster dude kills someone and then they literally just turn it into a free for all once, you know, it clicks for some people that, oh, if I murder somebody outside of the game, that's still going to help me win. Yeah. And that scene was just the lights are flashing and everyone is just in this murderous frenzy it was like terrifying. Like that was really hard to watch. I was struggling with that. Honestly, mm. there was a lot of things that were really hard to watch in these three episodes. I mean, it was actually really physically hard to watch because the flashing lights and I just had to sort of close that my too. eyes a bit. But like when the penny drops and this show is full of those moments of like the penny drop moment where it suddenly dawns on them. Like in that moment, it suddenly dawns on them that they can actually be killed by each other, not just the game. Before the marbles game the alliances that they're making are so important because at that point they've built up some trust. You know, they've all played on teams together and they... And it's literally saved their lives. Yeah. Only to go on and, and find out that actually they're playing each other. Like the crushing inevitability that the person that they trusted and they chose, they actually have to kill. You know, if not with their own hands, then one way or the other... They, for them yeah. to survive, the others must die. As the game has gone on, it's the, from starting from the tug of war game, like your survival is contingent on you making sure that the other guys die. And that's a, hmm. oh, and there's a stakes that people don't, there, that there's de there are definitely people who are not thinking twice about them. They're like, yeah, I mean, you know, kill or be killed. But then there are the people who are really troubled by it. And like particularly in the marble game, like, you know, the husband and wife pair when they realized. Oh God. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I'm I'm glad that we didn't really see that because it would have been crushing. Yeah, it's strangely compassionate of the game not to make us of the show, of the show, not the game. Of the show not to make us watch some of those characters go out the way you know the ones that we'd come to know and sort of feel some kind of kinship with <sighs> and so I was thinking all of these things like you know again like the way the sh show boils these things down it's looking at these you know the way they're whittling people down in the show um it's <laughs> I don't know whether I mean the show or the game now when I'm talking about it the way they're whittling people down it's like it, that's also population control, right? The strong eat the weak, you know, survival of the fittest. Mm. I, I just feel like it's like a, almost a psychology textbook. You've got things like, you know, bystander effect, the prison guard experiment. It, there's just so much going on in there. The panopticon, <laughs> this idea of people regulating their behavior as if they're being watched at all times. I, I think that someone out there can write a full psychology thesis on this. Seriously. Although it's funny that you mentioned those two things, the bystander effect and the Stanford prison exper experiment, because like both of them and the arguments right? that people make using them are, are like so flawed and full yeah. of holes. That's true. But I know what you mean. Mm. Yeah. And I think like 
it's interesting. We talked about this when we were talking about the premise, the way that they combine this like extreme life or death situation with these really stripped down, like bare bones, childish games. It kind of takes you back to the brutality of childhood in a way, because childhood is kind of brutal. Like Mm -hmm. children are very cruel to each other in a way that adults don't do that to each other in as honest a way, because you've learned all of these Mm -hmm. ways to do the same bad things and probably do worse things. Um, But it's all couched in like these social niceties and in these like large institutional structures that allow you to wash your hands of personal responsibility a lot of times, whereas children are just Little you know, obviously they don't kill each other. <laughs> yeah, but they will be like, I don't like you. You can't play with me. Yeah. And then they just like freeze other kids out or they just like they cheat or they, you know, when they're playing games and they like push each other around and they're very honest about all of that. And so it, it's kind of drawing on that aspect of these childhood games, which mm-hmm. are so brutal in the simplicity of the rules. Like you lose, mm-hmm. you can lose very quickly. Um, and based on like one thing that doesn't even matter like skill wise it's just your luck right so it's that and then it's also like gambling in a way where it's like Mm -hmm. juxtaposing the brutality and the simplicity and the the total unpredictability and unfairness of who wins when you're gambling because the house always wins and here too the house is always gonna win (laughs) yeah and this is why the game master the front man you know, we were trying to understand last time, like, what is the point of the game? And oh my God, the things that we find out, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute. But <laughs> um, like the whole idea that this game is his twisted version of a utopia that is actually a dystopia, dystopian hell even. But his conception of it is that he's offering everyone a fair chance. But in fact, it's not a fair chance or in a way it is, like you say, it's gambling, it's a completely random chance, right? So the whole thing is very chance-based and it's about being opportunistic. It's about being in the right place with the right people at the right time, or it's about just the luck of the draw. Like there is no real fairness or justice here. I don't think that he really thinks that he's giving people a fair chance, but that's how he's representing it, right? He's representing it as an equal fair chance. But to me, I mean... There's a limit to, you know, the analogies we can make, obviously. Um, But I do think that it's saying something about the way that society, especially, you know, neoliberal capitalist society really sort of masquerades as a meritocracy when it really is not a meritocracy. You know, like they say, oh, everyone has an equal chance. But then you play a game like tug of war where the body that you have and the body that your teammates have is going to make a big difference on who wins or loses. And the bodies that you're chained to. Yes, yes. (laughs) So it's like the difference between equality and equity, right? You know, we've all seen that cartoon where um, there's like two people of different heights and both of them are trying to look over a fence. And they're like, here's equality because they're both in front of the same fence. And then equity is like giving the person who's shorter a box so that they're also the same height to look over the fence. So that's what it is, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have all of these truisms that society tells us about, like pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and how everyone has an equal chance to become a successful person. All you have to do is work hard. Um, And nobody ever talks about like the fact that some people start out with so much more Mm -hmm. and it's already giving them, you know, so many head starts, whereas others are, are not and or they're starting out with like, you know, being in the hole and they're expected to get to the same level. And then if you don't, then it's your own fault for being poor or not having a job or, you know, any number of things. Mm. 
And like the fact that it's making these quite profound statements about the way society works, the way, you know, humans react in particular situations, but it puts them into these almost trivializing contexts, except it's life or death. Right. Yeah. So how about all the revelations we oh, had about, you know, <laughs> in that back room of files that uh, Juno finds? I was just finds. terrified the entire time. Also, dude, like this guy's phone battery is like some space age level technology. Where did he <laughs> get this phone from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, man. you know, that, that aside, yeah. <laughs> that whole aside. <laughs> yeah, I had all the revelations. So this game has been going on for many years mm-hmm. go ahead what one his brother's been missing since 2015 and he didn't notice or he did but he's only looking for him now like that's a long time ago or i don't think so what i understood was that he won in 2015 right oh but has he not been missing since then or did he come back and go missing recently no, because when he went to his um, apartment, she was like, I haven't seen him for a week. Oh, okay. So what I'm wondering that, but... is whether they invite back people who have won in the past. Oh. So maybe he was one of the people who like left in the first round back in 2015 after winning. And then he didn't go back. Um, and then they invited him again in this 20, I think it's supposed to be 2020 in this mm-hmm. round. And maybe he didn't make it back that time. Maybe he got killed well, I had time. a mad moment where I was like, what if he's, what if Young is the front man? <laughs> and I thought that would have been so great. Well, I was thinking maybe he's one of the employees, like the, the red soldiers. But yeah, I'm very confused about what's going on. And oh, the organ trafficking wasn't part of the thing. It was like another oh, racket right. on the side, which was quite <laughs> surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, but and also... Yeah, in the end, the whole organ trafficking thing really was neither here nor there. It was just a side gig, which the front man didn't care that much about. Or no, that every time there's like this massive sort of siphoning of money happening, or there's a large amount of people that can be taken advantage of, it's not just the people who are orchestrating that that are going to take advantage of it, but also like other people will grab the opportunity for themselves. Basically, this show has a really bad opinion of human beings. (laughs) the only one with any kind of moral high ground to stand on is juno and even he killed someone in episode six so like yeah exactly Uh, yeah you know it's interesting because i've just come off i finally because i finished vincenzo quite recently i finally have been able to listen to our past episodes on vincenzo when you and boroma talked about it and uh, you're you're having a lot of these same discussions about what does it take for a character to remain good? Can a person be redeemed after they've killed someone? What makes a hero? And in Vincenzo, about whether he in fact is a hero or if he's a monster or if he's a devil. Mm. And there's like, I, I find that really relevant to what we, we're talking about here right now. So if anyone wants to go and listen to our Vincenzo Longyaks, there's some really good discussion about that there. Yeah, we'll link to those dis- discussions in the description. I think also another question is like, is it ever justified to kill someone? Because like you could justify what Junho did by killing that soldier who he just told him like a few minutes earlier that he beat that person whose eyeballs they were taking out yeah. until he was dead. You know, so he's literally confessed to murder and rape. And of course, I'm sure many of these people have killed many, many people because they're the ones who do the killing. The triangles and the circles are the ones who kill people 
right? When they when they get eliminated from the game. So it's not like that guy was innocent. Yeah. So when is it okay? Is it ever okay? Like, why have we decided that society has the right to carry out murder? Um, and that's not murder. It's okay. But when human beings take it into their own hands, even if it's justified, then that's worthy of punishment. And you have the same question being brought up by Jiang, who um, killed her dad because he had just killed her mom. And he'd been beating her mom and like mm-hmm. sexually assaulting her as a child like so I mean doesn't he deserve to die but she still went to jail for it so like it's asking these uncomfortable questions of the viewer I think in a subtle Mm. way as well this is what I find really interesting about sort of the meta of the show is that we as viewers are also participants Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that in this last because by watching them we implicate ourselves you know like we are part of the problem we are part of the system and the horrible moment when you realize that to root for anyone here means that you're rooting for other people to die and just just the yes. act of watching it is a participation in the system of like the the thing that the the show is about you have become complicit by consenting to view it right and I just find that right. so and interesting. Right, by getting caught up in their, in these conflicts mm-hmm. and by feeling tension about who's going to win and and not just like turning away from it in disgust, but continuing to watch. Yeah. You're in a way you're kind of like those you know red soldiers that are sitting in their little boots mm-hmm. with a camera on each person. And like <laughs> and you have to come to terms with that in yourself. Like, why am I watching this? Like, what? Yes. What is it that is making me participate in this way? And you know, I find this really interesting. Also again after the tug of war game that like the fact that after they win there isn't really any victory in the moment like you know they just beach out Mm. like the the barest fact of it all is they didn't win they survived and again that's a statement about the system right yeah the show doesn't pull any punches that's for sure just punches you in the face until you've stopped breathing yeah basically Oh, we didn't talk about the religion bit. I just thought it was really interesting that, again, doesn't pull any punches, but this like desire to attribute evil and cruel choices to God while taking the good that happens to you for yourself, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of making that statement, but at the same time, like because of what you find out later about Ji Young's character, you see that oh, yeah. her statements really come from the anger of what her father did to her family. Although... This isn't about what she said. It's about what the guy said. You know that the man, the nasty man, who was doing all the praying and saying everyone is sinners, and it's like people like that, these like sanctimonious, hypocritical, so-called people of God. They're the ones who do evil, and they say, "Oh, you know, well, it's fine because we're all sinners, and God will forgive us." And just no. Mm. I, I also find the old man suspicious. Which old man? Gyuun's friend, the old man. The one who died. The one with the dementia. But didn't he just get killed? Yeah, well, we didn't actually see him getting killed. I thought that was a small mercy. And there's been other moments where he, like, wouldn't tell him his name. And then um, he pretended not to understand what he was doing. Then later he called him out. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I have like 5% suspicion that there's something else going on with that guy. Trust no one, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't trust anyone. Also, like when he stands up on top of those um, beds 
And he's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. That's when they decide to stop. And I'm like, like, wait, code. was that a signal? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I'm like totally making this up. But there's something about him that just seemed off from the beginning. And he is player one. He is player one. Ready player one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Any last thoughts on these three episodes before we wrap up this uh, this wild yak? I I'm going to go back to my corner and cry. I have nothing deep yeah, to say. Yeah, I'm not ready to watch episode <laughs> seven yet. I need a break. <laughs> I need to go sob and like grieve a little bit. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, listeners, we will see you on the other side once we have finished the last three episodes. Um, if we're still here, we'll come and sob with you. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to come watch us lose our minds on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. And you can find me personally at NotNowSire. And you can find me at Anisa Khalifa underscore. And you can subscribe to our newsletter. Just click the link in the description below. And you can follow us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. And you can email us with your thoughts about all of the terrible things happening in Squid Game at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Um, and you can look us up on Facebook. We're just Dramas Over Flowers. And you can read our blog at dramasoverflowers.net. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's it. Bye. Bye.